This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel.com. There is a special offer for new FanDuel users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll also have that $10 available to play on FanDuel. More than $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. It's Chris Liss, host of the East Coast Offense Podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by... Dalton Del Don, Yahoo Sports. What do we do? We're two and three this week in the uh, Hilton contest. Yeah, not not great. And even then, one of our wins was the Lions backdoor cover. Ouch, that's ugly. So we really only won with that Washington game, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it counts, but yeah, we were on the wrong side of pretty much 80% last week. Yeah, I was trying to get you to take Seattle, but you wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, you talked me into, I mean, I, I certainly didn't want to take the Niners, but um, yeah, you were on the right side there. That was a, a domination. But And then the, the Bucks was a team I fought for, admittedly, and they were terrible. And I mentioned this on the XM show we, we recorded this morning, but not only did I hurt us in the Super Contest pick, but I, I had them in two separate parlays with just their money line. So they just needed to win, not even cover, and they obviously killed me. So I... I'm not a big fan of Tampa Bay, to say the least, um, at home, coming off a bad loss against the, the Rams, first time traveling outside California, and that, that was just ugly. I mean, it started with a bomb touchdown through the air and ended after a delay in which I couldn't even watch live because I was recording a Yahoo podcast and just horrific clock management, and I don't know what's going on there, but boy, I, I was very wrong on that Bucks game. I'm just glad I didn't try to be contrarian and use them in Survivor, and, and instead I was you know, I was very, very smart, and I went with the Dolphins, who, who won that easily. <laughs> you are such a coward. I can't believe you got on the XM show last week, and I gave you all the math and everything else, and you said, yeah, yeah, I get it, but I'm just going to play it safe and go with the Dolphins. And yeah, well, who was, your, who was your pick, though? Was it the got, Seahawks? No, I, had, I, I couldn't use the Seahawks. They were my top pick, but I couldn't use them because yeah. I'd used them week one. 
So I, I put two them. entries on Dallas and two entries on Green Bay. Yeah, okay. I could have used either of them, so fair enough. All right. Well, that yeah, that was You ridiculous. are a coward, and you do not deserve to be alive and survivor. I was hoping you used the Bucks because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that play it safe for the Dolphins stuff. Here's the thing. In our minds, it, we'll, we'll think about a game like that, like, okay, Cody Kessler going on the road, his first start, and, you know, Miami playing tough in New England and Seattle. They're going to kill them. And in our mind, it's like it's 100%, right? Like, they're just going to win. So I can either take the team that's definitely going to win or I can be the, do this pot odds thing and, like, totally gamble on Green Bay or Dallas. And the thing is, according to Vegas, the difference between Miami at 81% and Green Bay at 77 was minor. But the ownership difference was vast. And so for some reason, our minds sometimes, because of the skilled players and the players we know, we're kind of binary. If we think something is likely to happen, we treat it like we treat 80% like it's 99%. And we sometimes can treat 75% like it's 50%. And so dolphins are like 99% green Bay could go either way. Right? So it just seems like this crazy thing, but the math is the math. The Vegas odds are the odds like that. There was a very small disparity between one and a huge disparity in ownership. And that game just made me realize don't ever, try to think that there's some other truth about the game than, than just what the numbers say. It's funny. Some, uh, I believe it came from this pod, listening to this podcast. Someone was arguing with me on Twitter that the Vegas odds are not suggestive of the percentage in which they're likely to win. They're just trying to get half the bets on one side, half the other. And I, you know, I, I engaged him a little bit, but um, that's, right. that's obviously not the case, but um I mean, they, um, they, yes, do, I, they do want to even out their risk. I mean, they, they don't want to be all on one side and lose a ton of money. But there is there are competing forces, right? There's like the people betting the one side and the people betting the other side. And that equilibrium is kind of what the collective wisdom of the market thinks. Even if even if you cast the, the odds makers as neutral vig takers, right? I mean, they're still trying to collectively balance. And the two forces that are pushing against one another create – you know, sort of the equilibrium, which is the final line. And that line, both the money line and the point spread, represents a percentage. Now, it's not always right, but if you go over time and you say, like, well, Vegas will be off on either side equally, but over time, you know, they don't usually lose a lot of money. Those lines are pretty tight. Yeah, and I was laughing at myself because I remembered what you said earlier in the year when we both had Seattle, that that's the side you want to be on. When everything goes wrong, you know, their quarterback gets hurt and um, a couple other things, bounces didn't go their way, and yet they still won. The Dolphins were kind of the opposite for me last week. Everything went right, and they still – it, it took everything going right for them to win, right, right. including three missed field goals, one at the buzzer. By not only were they missing – Corey Coleman, their third-string quarterback, making his first start ever. Their center was out. But also, <clears throat> their kicker got hurt, and Cody Parker wasn't even brought in until Friday. Right, right. And, and Hugh Jackson hadn't even seen him kick until the warm-ups. And he missed, again, not just the game winner at the end, but three field goals. So that was basically the opposite, that uh, everything had to go right, and I still barely squeaked out an overtime win. At least I don't have to use – I won't – you know, I, at least I've used that Miami awful team, and I won't have to bother with them again. How funny is it that, you know, there was a little note on Rotowire and other sites that, oh, uh, Patrick Murray hurt his hamstring. He's day-to-day. Then Patrick Murray's on IR. They signed Cody Park. Like, you don't think about things like that. It's nothing. It's right. like a nothing piece of news. You're like, oh, okay. Not like I would ever use that kicker in fantasy anyway. 
And then two days later, that ends up being enormous for everybody's survivor pool across the country. That had a huge impact on that game. Yeah, absolutely. I um, It's funny that I call Miami a terrible team because they're going to burn me tonight. I'm in two survivor pools, and one of them I've already used uh, Arizona. It's a two it's a two strike league, and I used them week one trying to be cute and kind of switch it up, even though I, I felt strongly about Seattle, although that wasn't great. Anyway, right. my point is I'm, I'm leaning toward the Bengals in the Thursday night game, and this Miami team not only gave me a heart attack against this, those Seahawks week one, obviously they gave me a heart attack being on them last week, right. and I'm still giving me a heart attack tonight by playing well in Cincinnati. Yeah, that would be that would be funny. I I put the Bengals on one. I, I have Arizona as my team, but it's not so strong above the Bengals, so I use those two. And I use Washington in my rebuy pool. I would never use them in a regular pool, but in a rebuy pool, they're exactly the type of team you should use. They're only slightly less favored and only slightly more owned than the other ones. And if I lose, I'll just buy back till week. You can do it through week six. So in yeah, because you don't want to like save Washington or anything. Right. So that makes sense. So, so like I would never save teams ever. Like I think in a, a one and done pool, it's just the stupidest strategy. But in a rebuy pool, it's actually a good strategy because even if you end up paying a couple entry fees, you you get to week seven with like all your bullets in the gun, right? right? And all the people right. that played it safe, yeah, they're there with you. But you know now we're all single elimination, and they've got a lot fewer teams to choose from. You know, I, I'm still going to play pot odds, but I'm going to have way better options that have pot odds. And since a lot of those teams will have been used already by the people that didn't rebuy and played it safe, they won't be available to them and they will be available to me. So there'll be high percentage to win and very low usage in my pool. So that's like a very worthwhile situation to save teams. But no no non-rebuy would I ever save a team. I'm always best pot odds, you know, including chance to win and payout. Yeah, it sounds like we're in the same where we actually agree this week, though, with survivor teams. I have Arizona one and, and Cincinnati two. So um, before we get to the, the against the spread picks this week, I know you 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 hate to talk about actual fantasy players in this podcast. And I uh, appreciate the contrarian uh, view we take. But I do want to ask you about uh, Terrell Pryor watching him in that Miami game. I was just terrified every time he was involved in a play. I mean, 14 targets was a monster as a receiver. And the fact that he can play quarterback now, who knows when Josh Gordon comes back, that could help him when he plays quarterback, but, or if uh, McCown comes back and Corey Coleman, but I mean, I kind of bid aggressively on him and in two, two leagues in which he was available, I spent 65% of my budget on him. And in DFS, he remains cheap this week. Um, Washington can't play defense and all those guys are still out. Can he just be a total monster if he's playing 10 snaps under center? Yeah, he had, I counted he had 23 chances last week. He had like five attempts, you know, passing attempts. He had like four or five rushes, and he had like 13 targets or something. So 23 attempts is a lot for somebody who qualifies at the position of wide receiver. That's really good. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside. I think Norman may be guarding him, though. It's not like there's anyone else for him to guard. Right. Put a damper on his receiving, and then, um, you know, but if he's still running wildcat and why not? It's just weird to me. He wasn't wasn't he in the Patriots camp last year, preseason, and it's so annoying because Mike Dory was like, "You have prior too high like last summer," because I had him ranked like 60th or 70th among receivers, and and so we made this an, an Eddie Royal lower, and he liked Eddie Royal, so I said, "Okay, I'll make you a, a Terrell Pryor Eddie Royal bet," and he won because Royal he was terrible last year, but he got like 200 yards, and Pryor got like nothing, so I had to pay him 50 right. bucks. But obviously, I was right to rank the guy aggressively in the event. That he got some work. That's the whole thing. It's, I should have said, you know, the chances that they're a top 40 player. It's odd to me that 
the Patriots or whoever. If only Bill Belichick learned, knew how to, you know, identify and get the most out of talent, right? Yeah. He, he, he didn't see this one under his nose. You know, it's one game, you know, so let's not get too crazy. But the dude is 6'4", 230, runs a 4'4", played quarterback for half a year in the NFL. You can't find a use for this guy on your roster? You need to make room for Aaron Dobson, who you finally cut, or, you know, whoever else they had. I don't know. It just seemed a bit bizarre. Danny Amendola, is that important to you? Right, right. Yeah, I actually don't remember him in Patriots camp, but um, that is a good point about. Maybe it was just Norman. a rumor. I want to look that up. I thought he was in Patriots camp, but maybe they were just thinking of signing him. I don't know. I, I got. I'm gonna Google this as you talk. Start talking. Fill some air. Right. We, well, we need to go five and zero oh this week, and um, I like I, I like I, I some games. Uh, we can talk. I once again, I avoided looking at your beating the book. Um, although I did look at a few stat picks things. So I, I think I know a little bit where you're leaning one way or the other, but I tried for the most part to come in um, with a clean slate knowing your views here. So uh, let's get to week four. So, so and it worked out for the Patriots, but they did not end up signing him, I think, is what happened. So Gotcha. All right. Uh, very important to clear that. All right. So let's let's go over these picks. Um, you ready? Ready. I'm actually looking at my article, but tell me if the lines are different in the contest. Uh, I have Dolphins plus seven at Bengals. Is that still the line? It's seven and a half on Super Contest. Okay. Well, I like the Bengals here. I think in a short week, the Dolphins coming off this sort of emotional total crap win that they know is crap that really took a lot out of them. I think these Thursday night games are often lopsided. One team's kind of there or the other team isn't. And I think this is a good setup for Cincy to get back healthy and beat the Dolphins. So I'm laying the wood here. Um, yeah, I I took the points in my in the staff picks just because, I, I like I said, this Dolphins team, whenever I write them off, they seem to, to keep it close enough. But I could see it. I, I don't feel strongly about using this game one way or the other. I, I'm going to use the Bengals as my second choice in Survivor. So I, I could see a blowout. But Miami, you know that Tannehill's getting like 7.9 YPA through three games or something really surprisingly high. That's, really um, no, that's but, a really noisy stat in three games, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I could see this either way. I don't feel strongly. But I, I took the points as far as staff picks goes. Colts minus two and a half versus Jaguars games in London. Yeah, 6.30 a.m. Um, I would like to fade both of these teams. They're both garbage, uh, but I'm going to take the Colts. They've uh, impressed. They, they've, they've been less awful, let's say, and this is obviously a neutral field. So um, less than a field goal, uh, Andrew Luck. Man, Jacksonville is just so bad. So I took the Colts, but this is not one of my most favorite bets of the week. Yeah, I actually like both these teams this week. Jaguars are disgusting, but I think they're a good buy low. And <clears throat> I thought Andrew Luck played great against the Chargers, and the Colts' D was a little bit better than it had been. I think they're getting a couple pieces back. I took the Colts, too. I think they're, you know, my, two and a half is kind of a, a no-man's-land line. You know, I mean, if it's less than three. It's almost like a pick em. And you have to say the Colts are better right now, just at least on offense with the quarterback disparity. So I, I'm I'm pretty good with this one. I'm, I'm not like necessarily saying it's one of the five, but if you were big on it, I would use it. Okay. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I heard a crazy stat from Scott Pianowski on their, um, the breakfast pod uh, with Mike Salfino, and he said that uh, Blake Bortles has thrown three touchdowns in his career in the first quarter of games. Like, that, that is... That is insane. He's obvious. Talk about uh, maybe the fact he gets all his stats in garbage time might actually be underrated at this point. I mean, that's that's pretty bad when you're, especially when you're like scripted. The first fifteen plays, obviously, some coaching that falls on. But geez, that's that's awful. So if yeah, if, we, if we're if we're scrambling for a fifth game, uh, you could you could talk me into this. Why do coaches script the start of a game? That seems like the stupidest thing ever. 
what if the defense is totally different than you expected on the first? I mean, why wouldn't you just, why would you script it? Why wouldn't you just see what's out there? Anyway, yeah, Bortles, I saw a little bit of that game. and He was garbage last week. I mean, terrible. Almost like he was point shaving. He was so bad. All right, let's move on. Browns plus eight at the Redskins. I really did not feel strongly about this. I took the Browns plus eight. I just thought, let's see the Redskins play a good game. The Giants gifted that one to them last week. Um, let's let's see him play a good game before I'm laying major points with them. Yeah, Cody Kessler started off last week with a, a fumbled snap, a delay a game, I believe, and then a, then he was sacked. But then he looked really good after that that opening drive, or at least solid. It's certainly the the expectations were low, a low bar to clear. But um, I, I can't see Washington being favored by more than a touchdown. I mean, I, I do like parts of their offense, and I think they put up a lot of yards, but they've struggled so bad in the red zone and. Cleveland's very – they've been competitive in their games, and they're competent. Um, I, this is actually one of the, the games that I like the best. But if, if you're on the fence, we can we can talk later. But I, I like this getting more well, than We're on the same side, so if you want to take it, I'll take it. But I just feel like Cleveland can get worked, and the setup's not good. It's like they're also coming off that emotional game and then going on the road, and the Redskins got to win. In they don't play any home. defense, Washington. Yes, I don't know. It's pretty weak. If you have Coach Ben McAdoo, uh, never <laughs> challenging them down the field, it's, it, it works. All right, let's move on from this. Bills. Pl- oh, let me just say one thing about McAdoo, and I'm a broken record on this, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. So the new thing, and these Giants beat runners, I was getting in back and forth uh, with uh, this guy, Ralph Vacciano of SNY. He's one of the Giants beat writers. Oh, I, yeah, I know the name, actually. Anyway, okay. this, you know, they're so sycophantic to McAdoo, and they always criticize the players, and I was on him, and he was kind of – pushing back and I was you know it's kind of this back and forth it wasn't that harsh but I was sort of like come on man you gotta he's like I don't agree with you about the play calling and all this stuff on top of that the headline of his article in Jordan ran in the, the Giants beat writer for ESPN's article was about how Beckham threw a tantrum on the sideline he kicked this net or something and hit him in the head the kicking net and McAdoo in the press conference was like you know he really needs to learn to keep his emotions under control and we're gonna have to talk to him about that and I'm like you're a shitty coach you're doing a bad job you're not getting the ball to your key players you just lost at home to the Redskins, a game you definitely should have won. And what do you do? You throw your best player, basically the guy who's been Randy Moss, Jerry Rice for two years, his first two years in the league, under the bus for taking out his emotions on the sidelines instead of on the field, which did not cause a penalty and did not affect the game. And then these reporters, instead of saying, well, don't you think you should have called timeouts on the right side of the two-minute warning instead of afterward? And what were you thinking when you – we're throwing on the, up the middle all the time when the Redskins had two injured cornerbacks and you've got all these great weapons on the outside. Why did you throw so much to your tight ends and your running backs who were sort of mediocre receivers? Instead of saying stuff like that, they're writing down what McAdoo says, like stenographers, and saying Odell Beckham says McAdoo needs to you know, take, keep his emotions in check. And then one of them had like an interview with Justin Tuck, and they started like going back and forth, opining on how to handle Beckham and this and that. And it's like, dude. You know what you're supposed to say in that situation? You're supposed to say part of the reason he's the best receiver in the league is because he's so emotional, and we want him to keep doing that and just channel it healthily like he did in this game where he did it on the sidelines and didn't cost us a penalty. End of sentence. Period. Absolutely ridiculous. Back your fucking guy up, especially if you're a scrubby first-year coach who doesn't understand down and distance, doesn't understand – play calling you're trying to fit everything into your scheme now you're trying to tell odell beckham how to be as a player you're trying to mess with who he is are you kidding me what an idiot 
Josh Brown has four field goals, uh, 30 yards or less so far this season. And uh, he was suspended week one. So yeah. I don't. I don't think the Giants are being super aggressive inside no, the. Uh, people, I mean, these fucking people are arguing. They're saying, "Oh no, you're wrong." Their YP, I say, yeah, their YPA and the receivers in that game was twelve point six. The running backs and tight ends was five point one. Yet they threw twenty one plays to the wide receivers and seventeen to the scrubby tight ends and running backs, and and the two interceptions were both on plays up the middle to the tight end and a running back, and it's like just you, you, they're down Brashad Breland, they're down D'Angelo Hall. Dude, just chuck the thing deep. It's so easy. They scored zero offensive touchdowns against the Saints. And these beat writers are, like, literally defending McAdoo. And these trolls on Twitter are like, you're a broken record. You don't know. You're the blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. I watch the games. It's dink and dunk. Know who's on your team and know who you're playing against. Don't fit every game into your stupid little box. If the Saints are in town, take them deep. If the Redskins lose two cornerbacks, take them deep. Stop dinking and dunking. In Minnesota this week, okay, you want to do a little dink and dunking? Fine. Know who your opponent is. Know who's on your team. And it's amazing. Nobody calls them out because, A, either they're dumb or they just think that stuff because they don't want to lose access and they don't want to ask a tough question of them. Yeah, I can only imagine right, how your frustration, and it continues to grow. I almost, you know, not I'm not even secretly. I do root for him making continue to make poor decisions just so I can see your reaction. Let's move on. Bills plus five and a half at Patriots. What was your take on this game? Yeah, maybe I'm. Maybe it's too obvious. I don't know. I, New England, they're really, really good, and they're at home. And Buffalo's coming off a, you know, a surprising win, but Watkins still banged up. That team I still don't view as very good. And New England's defense is playing so, so well. And I guess the quarterback situation's a little shaky, but I think is going to be able to play this game. So I was actually surprised the spread was what it was. I thought it'd be seven and a half or so. So I like New England. Yeah, I was surprised too. That's why I like Buffalo. I was like, wow, it's only five and a half. And I started thinking, you know, this is some smoke and mirrors the Patriots are doing. I mean, Garrett Blunt is the leading rusher in the league and, the D played really well against the Texans, but second half against Miami, Tannehill lit him up. And they, you know, the Arizona game was impressive, but Arizona probably should have won if they just made a field goal. So it's really an amazing run, but I just feel like 4-0, I don't know. I think this is the one where Rex has played these guys before. The Bills were able to run the ball. Their D got after Palmer last week. I think that uh, they're going to keep this close, maybe win it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's anecdotal, but I always judge defenses differently when they're, yeah, they gave up. The, what were they up? 28 nothing on Miami? Kind of like the Seahawks last week against the Niners. I don't know. It's just like a prevent type mentality. I, I wouldn't Maybe. Yeah, I might have count that against them too much. So I, I think New England rolls on this, so we're definitely different on this game. Okay. I'm not like that strong on it. It was kind of a just a weird line, too, I, especially because it was lower than I would think. You got to assume all the squares are on the Patriots, too. As usual, but they. All they do is win and cover. They cover anyway. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Seahawks minus three at Jets. I know the line's probably less than the Hilton one, but this is where the lines were when I wrote the column. Where is it now for the Hilton? It is two and a half. Yeah, that really blows because I love the Jets at three. I just think Wilson's gimpy. The Jets have a great run defense. They'll probably get after him against that weak offensive line, and just this will be an ugly slugfest, and it's 50-50 in New York. The Seahawks are considerably worse on the road. So I was back in the Jets, but at two and a half, it's just not as attractive. Yeah, traveling across the country, um, obviously Russell Wilson not dealing with just a high ankle sprain, but now a sprained MCL in his knee. 
Um, I don't know if it matters much, but they're, they're coming up to a bye in which they can rest their guys. Uh, the Jets are coming off one of the you know historically poor performance on offense. So this just seems like the sharp side is is quite clearly the Jets. Yeah, I might use them at two and a half, but I, I love them at three. And, and the thing is, Wilson, I mean, he may get hurt during this game. I mean, the, the line is just not good. And how right. many hits can he take with these pre-existing injuries? And he's not as mobile. And he may be, you know, instinctually taking more chances like he's used to, but he can't get away as well. So I'm worried that he doesn't finish this game. Yeah, and Revis is get, getting beat burnt deep, but I don't know if that's quite Seattle's game over the top. So, yeah. um, and, and the Jets typically defend the run pretty well. So, so yes, I, I hear you. I wish it was three as well, but it looks like Vegas Insider has it pretty much across the board at two and a half right now. Yeah, they moved it. All right, uh, Panthers minus three at Falcons. You know, I'm probably going to regret this one. But when I first saw this this game, I was like, oh, I'm going to take the Panthers off the blowout loss. That's a great buy low. Falcons have been winning. But then I was like, it's three on the road, which is like nine at home. And I'm like, nine would be quite a big line for these two teams, given that uh, the Panthers don't have the same defense they had last year. And the Falcons look like they have a better defense and have found something in the running game. Yeah, these next two we're going to go over. I took the sucker side for sure. I, I I laid the three points, but this is one of the toughest games for me to pick on the board. It was one of the last ones I made a decision. So I would stay far away from this if I was putting my money on the line. I don't. I, I think this spreads about right, and I don't. I don't. I could see it either way. You're probably right that the money will be on Carolina, but they they're coming off an you know an ugly performance. I still think they're a good team. Uh, one and two, Atlanta. Has definitely impressed at times, but I don't know. I, I still think their their defense is highly suspect. So I laid the points, but it's probably the, the square move. All right. Lions minus three at Bears. This one was really a painful one for me to pick. I keep saying, oh, the, you know, the Sharps have to be on the Bears because this line should be like seven, you know, if we were up to the public to just set this line. And and the Bears, though, they're so injured. I don't think Hoyer's the big problem. I think it's the interior defensive line, the secondary they're just really hurt up and down the roster. But I still took the points at home because, again, I assume the sharp side is the Bears. Absolutely, and this is the same boat as last. I, I laid the three points but didn't feel good about it. It seems so obvious and like the sucker side. Um, I mentioned this on the XM show, but I, I kind of like a real contrarian stack in DFS is going with Chicago. Uh, the overrunner in this game is, you know, 47.5 points. Um, Hoyer is dirt cheap. Uh, people will probably be off Jeffrey considering he hasn't gone off yet. I don't believe he's even scored yet this season. And uh, Zach Miller was a favored target in the second half last week for Hoyer. And Detroit's been killed by tight ends. Uh, they've been killed by everyone, actually. Uh, Ten touchdowns allowed, just one interception, 8.0 YPA. So this game could be a, a sneaky shootout because the Bears, you figure, decimated by injuries on defense. They should allow some points. So, uh, this could be a, a fantasy-friendly game, despite the you know Brian Hoyer being involved. Yeah, Kevin White got 14 targets last week, so that's the guy that I like too. He's a little bit raw, but can make big plays. I, I would like to see him just throw it up deep to him and let him go get it, because he doesn't really know how to run a route. But who cares? I gotta I gotta brag just while I can, because I'm sure it'll all go to hell. But uh, I was really on Marvin Jones. I have him everywhere in fantasy term. Remember, I, remember we debated. I, I told you I took him over Devontae Parker, who who he looks good too, but. Man, Marvin Jones for four bucks and Stopa have him in big money in FFC leagues. Um, love that guy. Well, let's talk about Stopa since I took so much heat for my you know terrible trade to you, and I've lost two quarterbacks in a two quarterback league, Romo, and then the subsequent RG three trade. 
Um, I, uh, I scored 225 points last week. The rosters are a little bit bigger than your standard league, so that's admittedly. But 225 points with Jeremy Hill and Tevin Coleman on my bench. And suddenly I've scored the, the most points in the entire league this season. I know. You had such a shitty week one, and you made that trade. And it was all going downhill. It's turned around so much. And Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown at 100 yards. So right now, Spencer Ware didn't do shit last week because he fumbled. It wasn't really a fumble. He should have got the touchdown. But either way, I mean, Spencer Ware for Jimmy Graham right now in a two-tight end league is not – that's like a reasonable offer. Like if you offered me Graham for Ware, I wouldn't do it because I'm so desperate at running back. But it wouldn't be like an insult. So the fact that you've got a quarterback and Graham, I mean, we should have led with this, actually, based on the uh, discussion a couple of weeks ago. But you might make out just fine on this. Oh, yeah. And two, people have to remember, two tight end league to make such a difference. And so, yeah, Jimmy Graham. League. So it's like you got a quarterback who, you know, at the time was going to have Terrell Pryor and Josh Gordon. You know, Andy runs. And you got a uh, tight end. Now, of course, Jimmy Graham's stock has gone up so much. But that was why you and, got him. I mean, this was possible, and, right? This was like one of – this was a very good outcome, but it was a certainly a possible outcome. One other defense I made after I was getting killed for the trade too is we don't know that the maybe the Eagles' defense is, turns out good this year. Right. Remember? Because he had such that bad game. I'm like, don't get me wrong. RG3 probably was going to be a bummer and or get hurt. Right. But I, that was one of the defenses I made. Who knows? Maybe he came across a defense that turns out to be really good. And it, <laughs> look what it, it absolutely has so far. Yeah, that was yeah. on the road too, wasn't it? Look what they did to Ben Roethlisberger in in right. I love Pianowski, but you were right in this argument. I mean, you you were right. Where it may still turn out to be very good, he might be right about that. But you were definitely right in the sense that it was a very reasonable trade. It was unfortunate that Griffin got hurt, and yet you still have Graham. I mean, I just think that's that's just that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. A lot, a lot of time left, but I, I had to at least note this after just how you know down the dumps I felt yeah. and looked after that week yeah. one. And the next two weeks, I beat you, and then I dropped 225 this week, again, with Tevin Coleman on my bench and Jeremy Hill. And, um, yeah, so I'm uh, – and that's with Odell Beckham yet to go off. So right. um, I'm pretty, pretty fired up for this team. And but, Antonio uh, Brown is not going that crazy yet. I mean, you, you still have upside. And Devonta Freeman finally came around, which was big for you. And you could use Coleman and Freeman if you had to in a given week. Like, when guys are on by, they're, they're both getting so much work. Yeah, you have a good team. I'm still, I still like my team. I've been trying to trade with Stopa. I offered him, I offered him Brandon Cooks and Spencer Ware for Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams. He didn't want Ware, so I said, okay, maybe I can make a deal with Pienau for a receiver or something. But then he wanted Dorsett and Hilton because he's got luck. So I offered him Dorsett, Hilton, and Kenneth Dixon for the two uh, Steelers running backs and Wheaton, who I would just drop. Just somebody I had no interest in to, you know, just fill the roster spot. What do you think about that offer? All right, say it again. Hilton, Philip Dorsett, and Kenneth Dixon for Bell, D'Angelo, and uh, a scrub, a throw-in that I would drop. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a fair offer. I mean, I would I would like the Bell side okay. just because he can just be by far the number one one player. What, what so. about Cooks and Ware for Bell and Williams? Yeah, you just wish Cooks had a better game last week, huh? Because everyone everyone pictures him just at home not doing anything. But um, yeah, I mean it's a fair offer, but I like the Bell side still. All right, all right. So you're with him. Okay, let's get through these games. Um, Titans plus five and a half at Texans. I fucking hate these teams. These are teams that I just don't think should be in the league. You know, I why am I forced to pick between these teams? It's like two stupid, crappy teams that there's no real, there's nothing there. I don't know why these teams even exist. 
It's funny. I, one long shot bet I made before the season, not a lot, admittedly, but it was like 10 to 1. I got the Titans to win this division just because I, I thought Mariota was going to step up and who knows with the rest of these teams. And, man, if they could just one last last week's game, looks extra frustrating with J.J. Watt now out for the season. I mean, and, and Osweiler exposed. I think he's ranked like 31st in DVOA or something terrible as far uh, – or maybe it was pro football focus. I can't remember. But either, either way, this division is wide open, but um, their Titans are garbage, and Mariota has taken a step back, and he has no one to throw to. So I took the points just because I don't think Houston's – that great. Lamar Miller, it's great. He's getting all the volume, but he he isn't really blown up or anything. So a divisional game, more than four points. Uh, I, I took the dog. I took the dog too because I just can't I can't be bothered with these teams. Funny thing about the Titans is they got rid of Doro Green Beckham, who the Eagles are trying to integrate now for some backup lineman, and their number one receiver is Tejai Sharp. They've got Andre Johnson in, on the roster. Richard he nearly Matthews. had a game game winning. Well, it was, this would have been game tying, not game winning. But he nearly had two out of three weeks a game winning touchdown at the, inside a minute left. Well, he was called offensive pass interference. So yeah, it didn't right. count. Oh, no, I saw that play, and I was like, "That's the only way he can get open at this point." Shove right. the guy. All right, Raiders plus three and a half at Ravens. Who do you like here? Um, I think I gave the points here. I, I did not like this game e- either way. I would stay away from this, but I I took the Ravens just because they're the home team. And I've, I've been fading Oakland um, often to my detriment so far this year. But um, I think this is another sneaky uh, DFS stack, too, with a cheaper Flacco. You want to go Steve Smith or or if you want to go uh, Wallace and um, even uh, Pitta. Oakland's been getting killed by tight ends. I think that's a another sneaky contrarian stack for DFS because the Flacco and the Ravens are so much better at home. Yeah, it would be interesting. The thing is, it's just hard to know who they're going to go to, right? I mean, when you, you want to, when you're doing one of these sna- stacks that are sneaky, you want it to be like, well, if this game goes the right way, I could make, a lot, I can get a lot of points for cheap here. But if it's, if this game goes the right way, and he decides to throw to my guy, you know, which is like two, there's two hurdles to to clear. Whereas like some, when you're like talking about some teams, it's like, yeah, they're going to throw to this guy. I just don't know how the game's going to go. Yeah, fair enough, but I think I think Oakland can put up points too. I mean, this is over under 47, which is pretty high for a game in Baltimore. Yeah, no, again, I'm not disputing that. I'm saying you got to clear that hurdle, which is I agree with, but then you got to clear the other hurdle of who's he going to throw it to. Right. No, I know, and it's weird too cuz Steve Smith clearly gets a, way more of the, the you know, he leads the team in targets every week, but I don't believe one of them has come inside the red zone yet. And Wallace only gets six targets a game, but they could be bombs. So it's really tough to pick between those two as well. So, and even Perryman's back in the scene. So I hear you, but that's why I'm saying it's contrarian and they're cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Broncos minus three at bucks. Who'd you take in that? Who'd you take in that? I oh didn't yeah. Hear. Sorry. I forgot to say, um, I took the Ravens. I, I like. I think some teams have a wider home road disparity than others. So, like, the Saints, the Ravens, the Seahawks, you know, teams like Dallas, San Diego, it doesn't really matter if they're home or on the road. They don't really have I a home field the, advantage. I picked the Ravens to make the playoffs this year, and um, they could be 4-0 here, and it's funny that they're an ugly 3-0, though. The the composite record of the their opponents this year is 1-8. And, and um, so that's interesting, though. But I, I think they're – I just like how, how well they're coached as well. But um, yeah, we'll see. Kenneth it. Dixon, the fantasy guy you should be stashing now because no one else can run the ball there. I mean, he's not that valuable yet. I mean, nobody really knows, right? We people talk up, oh, Dixon's going to be the guy. We got to get him. He's going to be, he's going to, de- you know. But we don't even know if he's definitely going to be the guy. Terrence West could keep that job all year for all we know. 
Well, even Harbaugh's come out and said the running game needs to be resituated. It looks pretty bad. I'm just saying now is the time, or maybe it was a week ago. It was a week ago. It's time it was a week to ago. grab him, you know, not, not after he, not after he returns. Well, it's too okay. late. Okay, maybe right. Be a week ahead. Just try to yeah, guess. I, and you're going to be got, wrong a lot, but it doesn't cost you much. It's cheap, right? Doriel Green Beckham, he's on buy. That's a guy that I would stash. I mean, players who could blow up big time, and, and those were two of them. I spent $225 in fab in the NFFC, the Rotowire Online Championship on Jordan Howard last week. Um, and maybe that was too high with Langford being healthy, but I just thought Langford was terrible. And I guess I look better that he got hurt in a decent-looking matchup on paper now. Who knows? Chicago's offense may be a joke. But, but yeah, a week a week before it becomes obvious is what yeah. you ideally would like. And who was the, what was the second-highest bid when you bid 280? I can't remember, but it wasn't terrible. It didn't make me feel totally dumb. Okay, I think right. there was like a 160 or something. So something that didn't make me feel totally, you know, regretful. The thing is to get these guys for like 40 bucks. That's right. really the way to go. 280 is better than 600 or whatever he'd cost now or 800. All right. Broncos minus three at bucks. Uh, I just took the bucks. I just think the recency bias with the Broncos is really strong. They just went to Cincinnati, beat them up. I just think you take the home dog in a situation like this. Yeah, again, I'm on the sucker side, the road favorite. I took more this week than I probably have combined in the past half a year. Um, but I'm just trying – maybe I'm bitter because the Tampa Bay cost me so much money last week. But I also don't want to just overthink this. I mean, the Denver defense is really good. I mean, this team won the Super Bowl last year. Their defense looks as good. Their passing attack looks improved. They can run the ball. They just – I don't know. They just look very, very good. And to me, it's just the field goal. It's not more than it. So um, I, I – I, think that Denver's going to roll in this, but maybe it's too obvious, and I'm aware that most people probably are on Denver, so I, I would consider this one of the five games, but it sounds like we're, we're definitely on opposite spectrums. Yeah, I mean, unless you like went to bat for it, like your pick of, pick of the year or the greatest game you've ever seen in your life, okay, then I would no, relent, but if you're not willing to do that, I'm going to say no. Cowboys minus three at Niners. Uh, I just took the Niners just out of principle, same thing, just Look, if if this line, if it were up to the public, this line would be seven. Somebody is betting the Niners to keep it down at three. I'm going to bet with them. Okay, well, this is my another road favorite, and this I did make this on the staff picks. My bet of the week um, is the are the Cowboys, and um, obviously this was before the Des Bryant news, and I do not like that whatsoever. I don't want to overrate skill position players, but this has actually affected the line. It's gone down to two, two and a half. And the super contest, it is two and a half, which obviously is great. You get it under the, the field goal. So I like the Cowboys. Uh, you're right. Maybe it's too obvious, but sometimes those obvious ones come through. Blaine Gabbard is awful. I know they play better at home, but you got to be impressed with, impressed with Prescott. 99 pass attempts to start his career without an interception. Uh, uh, Carson Wentz just became the first passer ever to throw 100 without getting picked. And now, Back-to-back rookies going to do it in the same year, which is pretty cool. Not necessarily. But if he throws a pick on his first pass. Very first pass. You're right. That would be fitting. Um, I like Dallas to roll here. Elliott is, is getting more comfortable and whatever. It might it might be ugly with a bunch of short passes to Cole Beasley and Jason Witten, but Dallas is playing sound defense, and, and I think they're, they're should this spread should be higher. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to defend the 49ers, but I just, out of principle, I took them based on the sharp square situation. I wonder if Ezekiel Elliott's going to end up like Trent Richardson, like just this big, powerful guy who in the NFL. He's not that big. He doesn't even look He doesn't look anywhere near the size of Richardson to me. He doesn't even look that big. Elliott? I think he's pretty big. Let me look up doesn't, his actual doesn't specs. Doesn't 
he got 160 yards last week. I mean, just he got fantasy owners got screwed that they had three rushing touchdowns right. and were three different players had rushing touchdowns that wasn't him. Yeah, that was against the Bears. Let's see. He's averaging 3.9 yards per carry, including that game against the Bears. Right. And he is he's six feet, 225. He's big. 225 is pretty big. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he looks big to me when he plays, and he looks, like, very physical. We'll see. Maybe, you know, maybe he is going to be the next great back, but so far, five yards per catch, 3.9 yards per carry. Not jumping off the page yet, and this is running behind the best offensive line in the league. Yeah, so, he, he claims um, he's far better now than he – you know, he's, it's a learning process, and he claims he's getting better, but whatever that means. All right, I don't, you know, we can't judge him too hard after three games. The sample is very small. All right, Saints plus four at Chargers. I really like the Chargers here. I love fading the Saints on the road. I think the Chargers are okay. They're not bad. And they're going to light up this defense. This defense is probably the worst defense in the league. And the Saints probably. Offense, and, probably. And, well, the Colts is pretty bad too. But, the, yeah, probably the worst in the league. The Giants could not score an offensive touchdown because of how well they're coached. And Drew Brees is just average on the road. So if you have a league average QB going against an average defense and then you have – a good QB going against the worst defense in the league, and you've got the home team, and they're only laying four, to me, that's a good deal. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans was uh, – there was a strong argument that they fielded the worst defense in NFL history last year. The quarterback rating against was better than the year in which Manning threw 55 touchdowns, and they allowed 29.8 points per game. This year they're allowing 33.7, and that's with the game against the Giants. So – I mean, the defense. I mean, think about how badly the Giants had to be coached to not score an offensive touchdown at home against this team. I mean, I can't believe these people are arguing with me. It just drives me crazy on Twitter that I have to argue the obvious. It was like my friend, Chris Farrow. He had a, I think it was him. He said he had a friend who would just argue anything. And he used to argue that some random guy, I don't know who it was, I can't remember some player, like, was better than Jerry Rice. And it wasn't like Michael Irvin's better than Jerry Rice, even though that would be absurd in itself. It was like somebody who was not even a pro bowler. And he would seriously argue and make all these arguments why he was better than Jerry Rice. And, you know, you can argue all this stuff. Well, you know, if he got the opportunities and you got to look at the quality of the quarterback, yeah, you could fucking argue anything. Yeah, to, uh, let me correct myself. They're actually giving up 32 points per game. The team that's allowed the most of our the 33.7 is Tampa Bay. But still, 32 is more than, you know, a field goal more than last year. And the point remains, that was just embarrassing, the tackling. And, and that was just a free-for-all against Atlanta on Monday night. Uh, that, that was really just ugly. I mean, they already had the worst personnel, and they've suffered injuries. Uh, San Diego, I, I thought they, they, they really kind of left some points on the field last week in Indy. The offense, you know, that screen pass to, to Gordon should have been a walk-in, 16-yard touchdown, the lost fumble late. Um, but they're, they're going to – I do not like San Diego typically as favorites, um, but I'm, I'm with you here at home. Um, they, they should just score a ton of points. T- Tyrell Williams, uh, very cheap in DFS. Hunter Henry, I believe, close to the minimum if, if Gates misses this. And Melvin Gordon, another great matchup. They should just throw up a ton of points at home against this team, that Saints team that's awful both home and on the road defensively. Uh, so I'm with you here. We could use this, this yeah, game okay, if you want. Because it's one of my best bets. And the other okay. of my best bets is the Rams plus eight at Cardinals. I really like the Cardinals. I just think Jeff was talking about how he watched the – game rewind of the Bills Cardinals and said the Cardinals just left so many points on the table the Bills got really lucky it wasn't the score was not indicative of the sort of back and forth between those two teams Cardinals blew out the Bucks at home the week before the Patriots they should have beat on that field goal and obviously that was a tough team tougher than we realized the Garoppolo Patriots so I just think the Rams coming off the win win against Seattle 
and the win in Tampa. I, I think this is a good, and this line is pretty big considering the directions these teams are in. I think the Cardinals are a, a good buy low right here. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I didn't work out so well when I used when we used our uh, my survivor team, Miami, giving a lot of points in the Super Contest last week. But um, Arizona should bounce back. I, I worry about the Rams in these divisional games, but uh, maybe that's more so the Seahawks. But I, I hear you. Arizona should bounce back, coming off one of the ugliest performances. Hopefully Carson Palmer's not a broken man. Right. Um, There's yeah, some worry about that. But, I, and again, I'm going by Jeff who watched the entire game on Rewind, and he said – uh, Palmer looked okay. He got hit a lot. He's under pressure, but he didn't look like a broken man. And, and L.A. certainly doesn't look like a team built to come back. So if Arizona jumps out to a lead here, it could get ugly. Yeah. Okay, good. We'll use that one. Chiefs plus five and a half at Steelers on Sunday night. I was really 50-50 on this. I went with the points in the end, but I could – to me, this is a coin flip. Completely agree. I went back and forth, and right before I sent in my picks to you for the stat picks, it's one of the only ones I've done all year – I um I uh, think the other one was the Giants and Saints, which you talked me into in the podcast. But that was right. Switched. The Giants Saints was right. I mean, I knew the coach was bad, but they got nine. Why well, pay to six? If you do that, you almost never don't cover the spread unless it's like a twenty point spread. I mean, you 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 out YPA someone by three yards. That's just ridiculous. This this podcast is sponsored by Ben McAdoo. But um anyway, this is the only other one that I that I switched uh, this year, and I switched from. The, the points to giving them to Pittsburgh. And then I, I noticed in stat picks, I believe everyone else was on the Chiefs and I'm the one against them. So bottom line, I don't wouldn't touch this game, but I, I picked the Steelers officially. Yeah, I got no real strong opinion on it. Okay, Monday night, Giants plus four and a half at the Vikings. I would use the Giants. You know, by the way, you know the Vikings are 16-3 and three against the spread in their last 19? Crazy. I, I have been fading them all year, but last last week I actually took the points. I, I took them against uh, Carolina. I didn't expect them to win in that fashion, but, um, yeah, I did know that. It's 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 they're, very impressive. They're, they're a great underdog, the way they play and with that defense, but I think as a favorite against a Giants team that plays in this cowardly way is actually not good. I think, like, McAdoo's sort of small ball game, I was comparing it on the XM show to – you know, bunting and moving runners and giving up outs for bases. That's what that dink and dunk shit is like instead of swinging for the fences. But that that will actually, in a game against a tough defense, keep the game closer. And that it's sort of like cover and lose. You know, it's like McAdoo has a good cover and lose strategy against the Vikings, I think, with four and a half. I don't like the Giants as four-and-a-half-point favorites, no matter the opponent. And I do like them as four-and-a-half-point dogs. Okay. I'm totally with you, and it's not just you being a Giants guy here. I, I think they're a very solid team that should keep this close. So I, I would be fine using this. Okay, so we're going to use the Giants. We're going to use the Cardinals. We're going to use the Chargers. So we have three. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. You do not like Broncos or Patriots, correct? You want to knock those off? I like those two, but I no. I really like the Patriots. You can use them. I, I wouldn't, but it was kind of a coin flip for me, so I wasn't like – I'm not way okay. to the Bills. Okay, what do you like better, Patriots or Cowboys or Browns? Those are the, those are the other teams I kind of the like. Browns, I would take because I took the Browns. Okay, okay. The other two you did not take, but I we could consider Cowboys. Okay. Then what, Colts yeah. or Jets? No, you don't like. What about the Jets at two and a half? I like. No, I I would still take the Jets at two and a half. Obviously, three would be way better, uh, and I would also take the Colts. Okay, so do you have a lean Cowboys, uh, Colts, or Jets? Jets or Colts? I'll give you the choice, not Cowboys. Taking away my best bet, but that's fine. Um, oh, man. Uh, that is 
I don't feel strongly. Um, if you want to step yeah. up big for the Cowboys, you can always do it. If you want to just step up and say, you know what, I'm guaranteeing this one. This is a lock. I will go yeah, Cowboys. It's, it is less than three. Um, if you want to step up and be like, this is like my game of the month. It's not my game of the month, okay. though. It's not. If you were so, a real um, man would just step up and take the pick that he thought was best. I'll give you the opportunity. But if you're not willing to put yourself on the line, your credibility to our listeners. I'm willing to do that. I felt that way. I, I am willing if I felt that way. But, and I have done that in the past year. But I don't feel that strongly as a road favorite. I mean, uh, no. But think um, about it the other way. Like, you don't feel that strongly. But then again, your credibility is not that valuable. So you don't need to really. That's true, too. That's true, too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's reverse it's, pot odds play. Uh, right. So I would take the Colts. It's a little suckery, I think. The Jets, to me, is probably sounder. Actually, take the Jets. It's just sounder, I think, than the Colts in terms of handicapping principles. Right. Okay, so we got Chargers, Cardinals, Giants, Browns, Jets. Yeah. All right. Okay, it sounds good. We can maybe talk. We still have some time to make any changes if we want because we're not using tonight's game. So, uh, right. But, yeah, looks like a good good start. I, I'm, I'm okay with those. Let's quit messing around, though. Let's, I mean, we got to get on this. I, I need to win this money. I've already spent like 20% just thinking we're going to win this whole Oh, this yeah. Whole... I, I spent 600000 last week thinking we're going to win this shit. All right. Well, we better, we better improve on these two and threes the last couple of weeks. So, all right. And let me just – one politics thing, and I'll ask you. What did you think of the debate? I want to hear your opinion. Um, it didn't change my mind much whatsoever. The uh, Donald Trump sniffling really did distract me. Like, it was just so loud in the microphone. But – um. I, uh, it didn't change my opinion you much. Think you believe the rumors that he's on coke? Because in my no. opinion, in my opinion, if you're 70 years old and you're addicted to cocaine and you're as functional as he is, that's a point in your favor. Yeah, no, it's funny to joke. And um, who would Howard Dean? Is he the guy who um, tweeted that? Um, uh, yeah, I believe he tweeted that. But um, do, all joking aside, Donald Trump doesn't drink alcohol. He's he's not on cocaine. I promise you. He he doesn't. He's a straight edger, actually. So he no, he he was not on coke. But um. The sniffling really was distracting, but I, I did not change my opinion one way or the other, um, whatever. It was, uh, I guess, a little bit entertaining and then boring, and then I don't know. It didn't I, – I don't know. What, what, what is your thoughts? I thought Hillary crushed him personally. I don't, I, I don't like Hillary Clinton at all, and I hope that neither one of these people is president by some act of God, but I think she destroyed him. So well, obviously know, as it went on, she did, yes. So, I mean, the, so the longer – Someone, someone I know, I won't name him because I don't know if he wants his politics publicized, told me that he was looking at the debate like, oh, you know, maybe I'll have a reason to vote for Trump. And then he said, and the guy is a bumbling idiot. We knew he does this, but I thought because she's so vulnerable on so many grounds that he could have attacked so many times. And it was just lame. And then he started like mumbling all the shit about we've got to get other countries to pay. It's just ridiculous. They have to pay. These other countries, China has to pay. NATO has to pay. Everyone's got to pay for all the stuff. We're, we're paying too much. Okay, fine. That's like a throwaway thing that's probably bullshit anyway, or maybe it's true, but whatever. It's just like that was like his central point with everything. Like we, we can't let them we, – we're paying too much. They have to pay. I was like, who cares? That's just such a random thing to be harping on so much. And he called himself smart for not paying federal taxes. Well, Did you hear that? I, it makes me smart, he said. I, I think he, actually that was a fair point that he should have pushed, but he did it the wrong way. He should have said, look, as a private citizen, like all of you, I want to minimize my tax liability in any legally available way. 
So if you are a person who has a deduction because you did something or you have an IRA, you're, gonna ma- you're not going to say, oh, no, I'm not going to take this IRA. I'm just going to pay the taxes and invest my money. You're going to maximize your tax breaks, right? So he could say, I'm smart as a private citizen. That is wholly different from a public servant using her office to funnel money into her foundation. That's using the, the public trust to personally enrich yourself. Whereas in, in my case, I'm a private citizen. So yes, you know, is it ideal? No, we need to spend, we need to have our tax money going to useful things. That's what he should have said. Well, yeah, no, he said, if you don't like the laws, then change them. Right, He's he just did, taking but he should have said, laws. you know, I'm a private citizen, right? And so with corrupt people running the government like this and double dealing with their foundation while they're in office, you know, I'm going to withhold it. He didn't, he just kind of just ate that line and, and, and didn't really use it to his advantage as a, as a a couple, couple things, and then you can finish. Um, one, you, everyone should check out Hillary Clinton's appearance on Between Two Ferns with Galifianakis. That was funny. Um, another, I found mediocre, it, mediocre. Yeah, there were some funny lines. Um, it uh, the his. What about him like addressing and walking through and taking uh, Q and As after the debate? Like no one ever does that. It's just so funny. He's just I, so different. It was so late here. I finally turned it off at like four thirty in the morning my time. So okay, I, I didn't see the end. I just saw like two thirds, and I was like. First, he came out okay. Then she started cleaning his clock. And, and I just thought she won because he's a fucking bumbling idiot. And she, even though, again, I don't like her, she was just pretty composed, answered the questions, just kind of like blew him off and was like, whatever, you know, whatever ridiculousness you're saying, who cares? Here's what we're going to do. You know, and, and I don't agree with her, but I think that that was, a, that was the right way to go about it. That may be very true, and I think that most pundits would agree with you. But my my last and final question to you is: Do you think the do you think that the general public came away thinking that Hillary crushed him? I I do not think that. I don't think it moved the needle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually I don't know what the effects of it is. Uh, I mean, I think any smart person would think that he cr- that she crushed him, but I don't know in terms of the average voter um, what the deal is. The odds it did, her odds actually did increase in the betting markets. It, it did slightly yeah. from like 60 to 66%. I think I read. Oh yeah. Sorry. I just got an email from Heather saying we got our visa from Portugal. So we're in. Oh, nice. I mean, that was like a risk, dude. We were fucked. If we didn't get that, <laughs> but then like, what do we do? We got to go back to LA, but our house is rented out. And then we got to like on the fly, like grab a short-term apartment or something. It would have been terrible. So that's good news. What were you saying? Sorry. Oh, just that uh, I think the betting odds went from like 60% to like 66% or something in the, uh, like, the bet fair or whatever it was, the, the odds for her to win. Yeah, so it moved the needle a little bit, but a lot of times that pundit shit just – the pundits are so out of touch, right? They're just a bunch of careerist people in Washington. It really does not relate to what the people want or what they're thinking. Right. There, I'm there, saying the betting so, market. I'm saying the betting market. After the debate, it increased in her uh, yeah, fa- yeah. in her likelihood to win. Right, but those betting markets might be people who watch a lot of pundits. Right? Uh, it's gotcha. not like you know Joe from Iowa or Colorado or the swing states is betting on the, the race. On that note, um, you good, man? You got anything else? No, that's good for this week. Let's 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 you know turn in some winners. We need to get back yeah, on track. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing, man. This is just embarrassing. Let's just be in contention for like. 20th prize, whatever the hell that pays. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. All right. Listen, congratulations that you're not kicked out of the country. I know. Well, I am kicked out of this country. Wait, but this I country, right. Okay. The, out of the, uh, you know, out of Europe. I'm accepted in another country. Yes. Thank you. All right. All right.
This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. They have a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. It's more than $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW.